Hey folks, first of all a big thank you to you for tuning in for tonight's episode of EGR Podcast. A quick disclaimer at the beginning, during the recording we faced some technical difficulties, but we tried our very best to use our raw material and create an episode that is listenable. We are all new to podcasting, so we are still in the midst of figuring out how to do it best and what to focus on during the recording. So we hope to further improve the podcast in the future, so stay tuned for that. On another note, during the recording we referred to the protagonist as a he and the person that caught the interest of the protagonist as a she. This isn't specified in the song and we did it just so it's easier to talk about it and to stick in a conversation flow. This is not meant to represent that there's only this possibility since the song leaves this open. So now, without further ado, let's hop to the episode. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to send it to podcast at egia.eu. Hello and welcome to our first ever episode of Egea Podcast. Our topic tonight will be the famous Dutch song Schatje mag ik je foto by the Gebrouders School. In order to help us, and you of course, to better understand what the song is all about, we've invited some guests from the Netherlands and Belgium. So please welcome Rit de Graaf from Utrecht. Hey guys, nice to see you. Matthias Cox from Brussels. Hello everyone, good to hear you all again. And Christoph van den Branden from Leuven. Hello Egea. My co-host tonight will be Stasek Konieczne from Warsaw. Hello everyone. My name is Hendrik Stein, I'm from Marburg, and this is EGIA Podcast. Hello allemaal, and welcome to the EGIA Podcast. First of all, a big thank you to all of you for taking the time to talk about the song with us tonight. But before we start with the song, we want to get to know you as our guests a bit better and make it easier for our listeners to recognize you and your voices. So Rick, please tell us, what do you do for a living? It's a very good question. I sometimes ask myself as well. Just kidding. Um, I work in a local municipality in uh, spatial planning. We are developing the whole area in terms of sustainability. Um, but also housing, uh, nature. So there's a lot of stuff going on. It's a small municipality, so um, it's uh, very dynamic, uh, so to say. And I think the best part of all is I can go there by bike. Within 30 minutes, I'm there. Uh, just a bit unfortunate that the current situation doesn't allow me. But uh, overall, uh, it's a nice place to work. So you're currently not going to work. Do you do home office or...? I have an improvised home office, yes. Um, it's uh, in my small apartment, it's in my uh, bedroom actually. But yeah, like 95% uh, of the work I can get done here. Only printing and such kind of things uh, I can't. But so far it hasn't happened. So um, yeah, working my way through uh, Corona. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. Um, so Rick, how did you get this job? Um, I was looking for a job one year ago. Uh, mostly uh, online, um, also through LinkedIn. And then there was a recruiter who found me. 
and uh, through the recruitment agency, um, they were looking around for jobs for me. Uh, yeah, basically to make a profit out of me. But anyways, that's uh, yeah, they got me the job at this uh, local municipality. Uh, so through them. That sounds really cool. So you've already finished your studies. Uh, yes, uh, two years ago, after doing my bachelor, uh, human geography and spatial planning, I was uh, done with studying. I wanted to go in practice. So after my bachelor, I said it was, uh, yeah, it's enough. I traveled a bit more in Europe. And I think almost one year after I graduated, I started looking for a job. And then uh, I found this. Yes. Really cool. Um, so Vic. When and where did you hear the song Shatje for the first time? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, uh, as a Dutch person, I think already at a younger age, um, when I was going out, maybe when I was 16, the song came out more or less, and it just became very popular. So when you, yeah, if you went to the local party pubs, uh, because back then I lived in my hometown, when you go to these pubs, um, yeah, at like uh, 2 a.m., they are playing these uh, these kind of songs at some point. And then you're doing some kind of a polonaise, uh, holding shoulders of the person in front of you walking around. So I think that's probably one of the first times I heard it. Oh, really cool. Thank you, Rick, for that. So now uh, we're slowly moving to our um, second and third guest. Uh, Matthias, you're known in Nigeria as Cox. Why? <laughs> well, this is uh, this was a very conscious uh, conscious life choice I made when I arrived at my first uh, Igea event. I uh, realized quite quickly that when I introduced myself in English, uh, there is a lot of uh, subtext coming along with my last name, and so I had the choice to not use it at all and to um, keep it silent and live this, take, take this little secret with me uh, or to actually just go with the flow and uh, at some point I was not even saying my first name anymore it was just hello I'm Cox and let's go on with it and uh, I think this, this is I must admit also that a good friend of mine from Egean Leuven uh, was kind of my PR manager at the time. This was the AC of 2013, I guess. Um, and he was introducing um, a lot of uh, slogans or more of uh, animal sounds to stress the peculiar sound of my last name as well. <laughs> okay, so uh, moving to the next question. Uh, what was your major at the university? What was my major? Yes. I, I started uh, geography at the Flemish, uh, at the Hochschule. So I started, uh, yeah, university, bachelor in geography uh, at the Flemish University in Brussels. And I majored later on in, um, actually, I made the switch to the French speaking university, which is a much larger institute. And they have a very uh, specialized research group on um, uh, science and management of the environment. So more into environmental studies, uh, because I really like the holistic point of view of geography. And uh, when it came to deciding between 
human geography or GIS or physical geography, I was kind of in the same dubio as I was uh, before going to university. And so uh, I looked into the study program of the French uh, colleague university and found this uh, amazing uh, interdisciplinary program. Sounds really cool. Uh, so what do you do for a living now? Right now I am uh, just back from an internship uh, in Austria. Um, I had half of a year as a barman in a jazz club in Brussels <laughs> to reflect on life and to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and I'm now just started a job as um, for a non-profit organization in Brussels. Uh, as you know, Brussels is one of the largest cities in the non-governmental uh, organizations. And so I'm uh, specifically working on one um, a youth um, non-profit for the Brussels region uh, under the Federation of the French-speaking community of Brussels. And we're developing a project to unite the, uh, the youths of Brussels, which live um, in a very segregated way uh, right now. We see a lot of um, uh, gated communities uh, in Brussels. And so this project is trying to uh, break down the borders inside of the region and reunite them in a project which is called uh, the City of Youth. And we try to let them uh, activate a, an abandoned building to create their own little town and uh, let them claim the city for themselves. Um, so last question to you. Well, when was the first uh, time you heard this, uh, the song Skatje Makian Foto? <laughs> well, before the podcast, uh, we reflected with Rick a bit on the uh, cultural differences between our both beautiful, glorious nations, uh, the Netherlands and Belgium. But I must admit that the very uh, interesting music culture of the Netherlands seldomly passes the border. So uh, I'm afraid that the first time I myself got into contact with this uh, masterpiece, we must say, um, of the Dutch music scene, first reached me on an EGI event, and that would be um, or the annual congress in uh, Vasilkov in 2013, or um, the Trondheim Winter Week. Um, of the same year, but I'm not sure. Uh, so it was, yeah, the, the memorable year of 2013 was my first contact with this very uh, viral tunes. <laughs> Thank you a lot. Now we move into our uh, third and the last guest. Uh, so Christoph, uh, can you describe your hometown? Okay. In just a few sentences. Um, I'm living in a little village. Uh, it's called Kamzeke. It's in the north of Belgium, close to the French um, border. Actually, it's only five kilometers. Um, yeah, and there's not a lot going on. Um, I have to go to a somewhat bigger city to have a station or to have a, a school uh, for teenagers. Um, but actually, it's really nice uh, because you have some facilities like shops and everything, and still you're very close to the nature. Cool. Uh, so, did you study geography? Um, yes, um, um, I did my Bachelor of Geography. Now I'm doing a kind of um, in-between year of governmental economics, um, also in Leuven. And um, 
I'm planning about uh, doing sustainable territorial development next year. I'm not sure yet if I will get accepted or um, that will be possible with Corona. Cool. Uh, you mentioned City of Leuven. Uh, how is the students' life in there? Um, it's very vibrant, very living. Um, there are a lot of parties, like in every university city. I think in Leuven and in the whole of Flanders, there's like the presidium culture. It's like um, a lot of student unions. In Belgium, like a lot of people are in it. Um, that one of geography is called Mercator in Leuven. And from the first years, like 70-80% is active part of the student union. So they organize things for the other years. Um, yeah, it's very nice actually. I really like that to learn to um, organize things even when you were not in a youth uh, movement or things like that. Um, so the last question to you uh, about the song. So when was the first time you heard the song? Actually, um, I'm a lot younger as the other um, attendees. Um, I can't really remember when was the first time, but I know. The Nar song of uh, the Gebruder School, I already heard it at uh, primary school, like Friday um, noon, um, when we were in the courtyard, um, it was like music, and it were like all children's songs, and also a song of the Gebruder School. Um, Ik heb een toeter op mijn waterscooter is the name. So I... I think I was not that surprised when I heard Schatje Magikje Foto and that's why I forgot which moment it actually it was when I heard it for the first time. This the water scooter is also from the Gebrutsko. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, then I am well aware of uh yeah yeah, the water scooter was very famous in Belgium at some point, that's true. So thank you very much for uh this introduction. And now we're moving to the main part of um of this interview so uh moving to the song but before we start with the questions about the song about the genre um i'd like to hear from you how would you pronounce the name of the song and the band because uh, we want uh, our listeners to pronounce it in a proper way so maybe uh, rick would you like to start yes i think i'm the only person here who can pronounce it properly um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um and the song is Schatje, mag ik je foto? I think the connection is not so well, Rick. I heard a lot of uh, sounds. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, Belgian infrastructure. <laughs> I think it's a disability of Rick. It's, it's not um, his infrastructure. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, is the pronunciation different in Belgium than in the Netherlands? Yeah, it's a bit. I would say Gebruderskool uh, and Schatje mag ik je foto. Maybe it's not that easy to hear if you're not Dutch or Belgian. But this is the same uh, old uh, difference in pronunciation with the soft G below the rivers. In the Netherlands we have the main rivers and below it's with the soft G and up. <laughs> There, it's with the hard G. <laughs> Aren't you all below the rivers in the Netherlands, actually? 
<laughs> below the sea. <laughs> okay, so uh, now you know how to pronounce it. At least you know, guys. So question to all of you. After listening to this song, if you had to describe it in two or three sentences, what would you say? Okay, but I can I can go first if you guys want. But I I'll, I'll uh, summarize it maybe in in three words. Um, so the first word word would be um, marginal. <laughs> marginal. Yeah, true. How do you translate marginal? Marginal. Marginalized idiots. Marginal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the very interesting aspect actually of this song is that it's already from the Netherlands, huh? but even <laughs> in the Netherlands, it's marginalized. So just to give you an idea uh, about uh, uh, the subculture this arises from. Artists, it's not even marginalized in the Netherlands itself. Here okay. it's uh, this kind of subculture music genre. Uh, it's really interesting, actually. And we love uh, listening to this kind of bad party music. It's really... <laughs> Strange, but on the other hand, it's really cool. So our first uh, keyword would be bad party music. Then, if I hear correctly, <laughs> for me oh. that's all right. <laughs> you just have to drink and turn <laughs> off your brain, and I think we have enough stuff to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. bad, no brain, and. I think, and we, I mean, uh, I, I would like to uh, invite my colleague attendees of this podcast to dive maybe a bit more into the, yeah, let's say the existential um, meaning of the song. What is behind uh, the word? Because to me, it's actually kind of a, a melancholic ode to the lost art of seduction. Yeah, but I totally agree with you. Because nice. they are they are singing Schatje mag ik je foto, which translates to uh, baby, can I have your picture? And nowadays, uh, no, and especially I think in Egea, um, well, maybe it's not so common because you'd rather have someone's name so you can look them up on Facebook. But when the song came out, it was very normal to uh, yeah ask for a phone number of a girl who you like. Or it can also even be a guy in this case. Uh, Schatje doesn't have to be like uh, one gender. That's true, yeah. It's very, a uh, very inclusive term. It's uh, completely gender neutral. Yeah, and I think it's a perfect way, especially for a carnival song, to describe that you like a girl, that you want to have her phone number, and also a picture of her. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's a, when you listen to Balkan, um, they always have these nice love songs with traditional music. This is our Dutch version of it, uh, let's say. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Yeah. That's a compliment for the Balkans. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Henrik, maybe we should uh, dive into the, the, the meaning, the literal meaning first, and then we can try to deduce a bit more the philosophical uh, message behind. Because it is, for me, it's, a kind, of, it's kind of a sad song, huh? Because there is this, this this longing of this singer person who tries to uh, to get to this other person that jumps into his eyesight, and uh, yeah, it doesn't quite. It's there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of open open questions uh, throughout this song. We don't know how it ends either. That sounds a bit tragic. I see this song in this uh, carnival happy uh, dressed up environment or. 
you're with young people around and you're in a party mood and in a love mood and you just see this gorgeous girl and you're like hey i want to have your picture and also like a like your phone number uh, this is the the context for me so it's uh yeah it's a nice positive way of hey i want to hang out with you i want to see you again in the future actually he says it's his first time so maybe it it is a bit tragic no no i don't think so but yeah he's saying like it's it's his first time and he doesn't know what to do because he never had the feeling before yeah, uh, he's really and, and he despair. he wants to know what she thinks of him or yeah the other person. So yeah, he's he's a bit unsure about himself. That's normal, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is this very. Uh, he's really in despair. He doesn't know it anymore, and and suddenly, and because he is in this party boot, like Rix explains, and he's having fun, and he's dressed up, and he's being. Uh, marginal he's drinks to he's, he's being a stereotypical uh guy from the netherlands huh, let's say and then suddenly he meets this other person and then he's 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 a bit lost and he's like uh eh, my eye fell on you uh, this feeling i don't know what it is uh tell me how i can reach you and uh and then suddenly he sees the light and he says ah if i want to keep this feeling i need her picture so he asked for the picture and while he's saying this, aha, but maybe huh, it's like the the boutade about the fisher. Huh? You can give somebody a fish, but you can teach him to fish and then he will eat his whole life. Huh? So he asks for the picture, but then immediately, and that's very, a very cunning plan, he also says, and also add your number. So it's really sustainable long-term thinking. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of layers. Huh? Sustainable. <laughs> Yeah. I think quite reflects the Dutch culture, right? Well, like long-term planning, isn't it? Well, it's. Uh, I don't know if you can relate this to the Dutch culture. Uh, for me personally, as a Dutch person, I really see this as a very popular uh, carnival kind of song in a party mood. And this is something you say to someone like, "Hey, I, yeah, like I want your number right now. I like you." And I don't think there is any long-term planning inside of this. You just want to see this person another time because you know you like this person. And this is the typical way of how you were flirting in a pub or how you flirt at the carnival. You see someone, you want to get in touch, and you know you won't see each other again if you don't take this opportunity. Cool. I think we'll go back to the lyrics and we'll focus on them in the, in the, in the next questions. Uh, but a bit off topic. Are you guys familiar with the video? So, um, uh, did you watch it? Did you like it? I was actually not that uh, familiar with the video because most of, no, always when I hear this number, it's not because of my own choice, but because of the DJ or party <laughs> ha has it. So I never searched on YouTube to, to see it, but now I watched it uh, for this podcast. What do you think? Yes, it is a bit the same style as, as the song itself, a bit uh, Dutch, a bit marginalized. I have to say, I expected more from the video clip. Um, in the, but this is considering that it's a song uh, that comes from 2007. Um, this band was not so popular back then. 
uh, this was their massive, their first massive uh, hit song. So I and for Carnival, you usually see the more simple uh, sceneries. So yeah, in this song, they are basically in a in a studio, a photo studio, and there the people are taking pictures of them while they are singing the song, and while they're singing the song and going through it, more people are joining with different yeah party uh, outfits if i'm correct and in a party mood and they are all singing along so it's really showing that it's a yeah like a nice carnival song for everyone to sing along the tutor op my water scooter was actually before this song and it has a better clip in my opinion they really have taken the time to go to spain or another uh, warm country where they are really going uh, with a water scooter and some uh, dancing uh, ladies I could have done it too with Gatchem Haiki photo. Yeah, and that's why I was saying I expected a bit more from it. Maybe uh, they would be outside or themselves going to ask a picture from uh, someone and the number uh, to see more of a storyline. But this was a bit, um, well, it's a, a bit simple, <laughs> but it works. So I see that you guys uh, see a room for improvement, maybe for the next video. Yeah, let's do a remake with Igia of uh, of the video. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure uh, how the lifting of tables would suit in a decent storyline, but uh, yeah, we can for sure do at least one workshop about this. <laughs> the lifting of the tables. Um, I think you can still do this part in between, uh, like an intermezzo. You can still cut and edit those parts in between. Just. Um, like you see in some other video clips, you have a more like the serious storyline, but in between you see these cuts of, yeah, the people partying in the back scene. I think it's uh, it's doable. Yeah, and I also see the the, the symbology, of course, eh, of this table being lifted and eh, the table as being a place where you meet people to eat, eh? and so at some point you meet this fantastic table and you want to you want to interact with it a bit more. Huh? You want to ask the picture. And I think this is the metaphor of the table maybe also. You you lift the interaction with somebody because ah, sometimes you see somebody and you, ah, you're a bit anxious to say something because, oh, I don't know what, what is this other person going to think of me and this and that. But in this song, he's taking the step. He's asking for the picture, even for the number. So what he's actually doing is he's taking the interaction to the next level. He's taking it up. And I think that is the symbology. So it is it's taking up, giving up the game again, playing a, a stake higher. I think that is, uh, yeah, I see a lot of uh, metaphorical value in this uh, in this intermezzo. Yeah. And the thing is, this um, lifting of chairs and tables is already also showcased in the video itself. So maybe it's a symbology the band already thought of what, when they created the video. What do you think about that? That's a very good question to ask them uh, themselves, <laughs> obviously. Um, I heard um, uh, Cox's explanation, his theory, and I want to add uh, my own. I asked some uh, old Aegeans from uh, Utrecht and from the Netherlands, and they told me that when you are holding the chair upside down, your head, it's kind of representing a picture frame when you're holding it like this. Uh, so with the back of the chair, it's behind you. So this could be like a picture frame kind of looking. And that's uh, that might be where it comes from. 
but this is uh, oh. just a uh, alumni theory explanation <laughs> <laughs> where it uh, comes from. It's like a photo booth avant la lettre. Oui. <laughs> Amazing. Maybe one more question to three all of you. Would you like to have the song during your wedding? <laughs> At four o'clock? Yes. I think if you have this song during your own wedding, um, maybe it depends on the person and uh, the loyalty. But I think uh, this could, you know, it could work out really well for all your friends who are still single and all the friends of your uh, fiance, of your girlfriend, your new wife. Um, because yeah, it's a perfect song for them to mingle and to uh, ask for each other their numbers. It becomes a bit dangerous if you are um, very distracted yourself easily and uh, drunk. <laughs> and then start asking for wrong numbers. How to sabotage your own marriage. <laughs> so you're saying that it's maybe not the best one for the first dance? Definitely no. No, I think you, on your uh, wedding you should dance with your partner and not with a table. This is uh, something for later, uh, when you, the party is going on, everybody is a bit drunk and at some point you can play this song and everybody is content with it. And uh, what's your opinion, Christoph? Um, just like I said, if I'm a bit drunk, I think I will start to appreciate it. Uh, so slowly moving to the to the next topic, to the group of, of questions we have about the band. Uh, so what do you guys think? Like, who's the who's the uh, target audience of uh, Gebrudesko? I think it's everyone, and in particular, people who like Carnival, people who have this party mood, who like these kind of party songs. I think that's their main audience, and that's also why they specifically write these kind of songs and make these kind of songs. Um, it was the same with uh, uh, I have a tutor on my water scooter. I have a, <laughs> yeah, I have a tutor on my water scooter. <laughs> I have, no, how is tutor is honk in English? So it's, I have a ho ho honk on my water chest ski. This, this becomes a bit uh, no, tricky. That's why I say it in... Uh, <laughs> that's why I give my translation. <laughs> but they make all these kind of songs, and I, yeah, so I, I really think this is their, uh, their main audience, and it works really well, because uh, I think like half of the country is celebrating uh, Carnival, and in particular this song, Schatje mag ik je foto, it's, uh, it's actually an export product, because it was rebranded and remade by a German uh, singer. Uh, so yeah, that's the main audience, I guess. So you would say it's a typical carnival song. Um, can you tell us something about the band itself? Maybe about the history, about the origins of the band, maybe about the members. Do you know something about them? In my case, I don't know the band that well. Um, they are called Gebroeders Co. Um, because they are brothers. I can tell that they are from below the rivers, which means that it's actually with a soft G. So that changes the answer from before to the official pronunciation. Gebroedersko, schatje, mag ik je foto? So you said they are from below the rivers. Do you think this affects their popularity in Belgium since the language is closer to the Belgian Dutch rather than the North Netherlands Dutch? Does this, I don't uh, think. That 
that the language is the affecting factor, but that they are closer to the Belgian border, I think that makes them more popular because, like, there is a lot of intermingling between the Antwerp province and uh, Northern Brabant province uh, in the Netherlands. I think. So would you say they are famous in Belgium in general or just in this border regions? Mm, I think in Wallonia and the French part of Belgium, they are not famous at all. Maybe they haven't heard songs once in their life. And Flanders, I don't know, the songs are famous but i don't think that a lot of people really know the artist it's like one of those kind of songs that you can ask on quizzes and everybody is like oh yes that song but no we don't know who uh, singers are and the singers so gebroedersko this means uh, the brothers uh, co uh, and their names are ton and gerard gerard in dutch uh, koopmans so they made kind of an abbreviation, short version of their uh, surnames and named themselves uh, Brothers Co. That's uh, where it comes from. And they started in 2002, actually with this song, I have a tutor tutor on my water scooter. And the, let me continue. And the cool part is that there was a producer and he was on a holiday in Turkey and he heard the song Boten Anna from uh, Base, uh, bus hunter from Sweden. Base hunter. Wait. Yeah. Wait. It was, um, or maybe it was Boat and Anna. Sorry. They also have a Dutch version of Boat and Anna. Ah, is that? I have Yeah. Awesome. No, sorry. That's uh, that's the explanation for the other song for Boat and Anna. Uh, no, but for Schatje, mag ik your photo. It was uh, produced in 2008, and uh, really a Dutch song. The song has this famous dance with the chairs that sticks with it. That is how it's famous, not only within our EGR limits, but I've also seen videos of random Dutch parties where people took chairs and uh, tables and danced this typical dance that might resemble lifting up the level of conversation and intimacy with partner or could also reflect a picture frame both possibilities we've discussed already um so when i think of this typical dutch party music and dancing to it there's one thing that always comes to mind and it's links rechts from snollebolle case so there's also this song related dance so is this a typical thing in dutch culture or in belgian culture as well that there is a certain dance related to certain songs or is it just in this case and in snollebolle cases case as well it's just that the dutch people are kind of crazy they love this kind of music they're just nuts <laughs> and with them, you mean you yourself. <laughs> yes, also, and with me, a lot of other people. Um, the Dutch people, and especially if you look at King's Day, uh, which is our national national holiday um, on the 27th of April. You, are, have the, you have the same birthday as our king. Um, I have a royal birthday, yeah. 
Yes, you should move to Netherlands, so then you can see that we are all <laughs> celebrating for you as well. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but on King's Day, uh, the whole country is more or less a huge festival. You can go to the cities with organized festivals, but even just wandering around in the city center, it's um, yeah, it's already super busy and crowded. There is music everywhere, flea markets. Everyone is drinking from the night before until King's Day itself and the early morning the next day. It's the perfect excuse for a national festival. And it happens also in the small villages. You wake up at 10 and you go to the city center with your friends where you start drinking at uh, 10, 11 in the morning. And it's all, yeah, this kind of, well, not always, all the time. It's dance music, but also this kind of party music, which you will hear. And of course, everybody is dressed in orange. <laughs> but I do think there is a deeper uh, historical uh, reason for this as well. Um, since the, the lowlands, so way before the, the Kingdom of Belgium existed, uh, and I mean, because at some point, Rick, you might remember, we used to be even one country at some point. And when we talk about these ages, it was the ages where we, there was not uh, that much... Uh, the music scene was completely different. There were no recordings uh, or everything. And what happened it was in the in the villages, they had a lot of um, uh, easy playable instruments, uh, like, for example, and this is something that a lot of people don't really know, but the um, doodlesack, how do you call this? The bagpipe is actually not really a real Scottish thing. It's uh, actually a very uh, famous folk instrument from the lowlands. And there is uh, still today uh, a community, uh, at least in, in Flanders, in a village uh, quite close to Brussels called Goik, which is the epicenter of folk music. And there you see a lot of, uh, of those traditional instruments uh, and specific dances to it. So this, even from back in the days, quite of a, a tradition to have... A, um, cheering music, uh, like music for amusement, uh, because those bands they they played uh, when on the local marriage or uh, when uh, on any possible occasion. Uh, what happened in Belgium? There were two things that happened: the local band played the folk music, and they brewed a new beer. Any occasion was good to uh, brew a new beer, and so. Um, uh, it's kind of a tradition that's also shared in the north of France, in Normandy. They uh, also still have a, quite a large uh, folk scene. And this actually also is a, a wink to another very famous Aegea song, because Schatje uh, Photo is not the only Dutch uh, spoken uh, or originated song with a specific dance. But the song Smitsche by Elias uh, is uh, actually a prototype of a dance, a dance called the... Polska, I think. Um, and so actually what we're all dancing uh, during our late night parties in some weird basements in Romania, for, for example, is a very traditional, historically correct uh, Flemish folk dance. Uh, so it is kind of a thing. We do like to move our asses on music uh, since ages. Actually, um, to uh, tell something more about Goik, uh, I've been there um, a few years ago uh, in August and I've learned a week to uh, play the bagpipe. 
and uh, in the evenings we had some dances um, at some parties. Yeah. Actually, it's a really nice festival. It's I really amazing. would say that you have to go there. Yeah. I think it's always the last uh, week of August. So, uh, some free advertisements for The Gooikkoorts, which is a very funny word joke when you speak Dutch. Uh, and I have to uh, ask you then, maybe Christophe, because uh, when I was uh, in Egea, I there was a small tradition that I would DJ a bit and then play the trumpet. Maybe it's the time that you get your backpike and you uh, flourish up the Egea parties with your backpike, then? Oh, I don't think that a week was enough to um, have some backpipe skills that will be uh, loved. But um, yes, if you give me a backpipe, which is also not an easy thing, then I can try. <laughs> I'm sure it will blow us off our feet. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm I'm done. I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Okay, so I think it's safe to say we established there's this big party music culture in the Netherlands, but do you know of similar bands with a similar style in and around Belgium? We have some uh, a carnival culture of ourselves also. I think the carnival in Alst, the very legendary Aegean Dan Schmeekens, uh, former president also of our association, is a notoire member of the commune of Alst and I think he actually organized an Aegea event once at this carnival and the people who were there or they will never ever talk about it or they will tell you the most <laughs> colorful stories uh, you've ever heard. <laughs> actually a, so, a band that is very close um, like what uh, Lais uh, with the Smetje does have gone to the Eurovision Song Festival for Belgium they got the second place. Um, I'm actually searching which year it oh, yeah. was. Urban Threads, or who? Yes, indeed. Yeah. They, they made like a, a, a made-up language. Um, yeah. Actually, it's it's a nice song in my opinion. Well, we should definitely introduce this song. Huh? I think it's a very beautiful... Uh... So you've mentioned... Uh, because you you guys are from two two different countries, and uh, even if you can communicate in a in a one language, there are some differences. So uh, I'll I will start from from our Belgian guests. How uh, if you listen to this song, what do you think about the language used there? Is it is it only like a dialect? Is it like only uh, different accents they they use, or uh, there as well like different grammatical structures? Maybe some words that are not as familiar for you. So what's your uh, impression on that? I think um, it is kind of a language we would not really use, but I, this, I kind of maybe want to pass on the, the question to Rick in this case, because then my question would be, if, is this really a way how you would talk yourself, for example, if you are on Carnival? Would you, for example, see say, Mijn oog dat viel op jou. Oh nee, wat is dit nou? Zo'n fijn gevoel met niks te vergelijken. Ik weet niet wie je bent. Ben je nog vrij en zie je iets in mij? Heb je een foto, een naam en een nummer voor mij? Is this something you would say in the, uh, in this context? Uh, of course, who doesn't? I think it's the uh, best way of uh, trying to get someone their number. It's a very polite and neat way of uh, asking for it. 
<laughs> so far, so good. Okay. I can only advise you to also try it. Maybe it works uh, <laughs> with the Belgian girls too. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take this challenge up and I'll let you know. But I think the 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 way you're describing the difference between the Dutch and the Flemish language, um, there is not, in my opinion, not that much of a difference. I think for 95% it's the same. Um, I would compare it to Austrian and German. Uh, I think like 95% is the same, but sometimes there are some words which are used in a different way. Um, but yeah, if you are if you're in touch with Belgian speakers, then you know about these words, and then you easily learn what the difference are. And yeah, it's not a problem to communicate with each other. No, in this way, I have to agree with Rick that the the way the lyrics are written, it's just a very nice, polite way. Maybe it it sounds maybe a bit more formal if you would say it like it's written uh, in the song in Belgium. But uh, yeah, it's it's a cute way, let's say, compared to the average Kanye West song. It's a very cute way to approach women, uh, I'd yeah. say. And schatje, it's like uh, translated. It can be translated to baby. Um, yeah. This, in, I think, it's not a proper way of translating it. Um, in yeah, German, my little treasure, you, huh? yeah, my little treasure, or. But in German, you understand this word because you have uh, Schatze and it, the, the, it's a small version. It's not a treasure, but it's like a small version, Schatje, which always sounds a bit uh, cuter. So I think in this context, it's a, it's a nice way of approaching and uh, naming someone, giving someone a sweet name. Going back to EG affairs. And uh, well, the song was released in 2008. Uh, do you know? when how it became uh, one of egea songs yes definitely um i asked them around and they told me that this well this song was a massive hit in the netherlands itself and then in 2009 about one year after the song was released uh, there was an ac organized by egea groningen and they introduced this song and Already in the last, in the past year, um, they they saw different parties which also were dancing with the chairs above their head. So they basically introduced this song during the EG affair, is what I was told, and that's where it uh, took off. That's uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a hit. People liked it, and still until today, people are still loving the song. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, guys. I have to believe you on your words, but um, what is true, I think it is very possible if you see um, two other kind of, I don't know, running jokes or small traditions. Uh, I think one of the very interesting strengths of Ikea, it's almost uh, almost sectarian, like there is a kind of a initiation uh, rite. And uh, once you've passed this and when you've accustomed the uh, the traditions like this they tend to stick very firmly into uh into the functioning of the of our association especially when it comes to the the party evenings so i i, I don't know any anything about the origins but i think it's very plausible i can really imagine 
this moment where they did this legendary thing and hey guys and now everybody take a chair and then it just got stuck uh in the marble fundaments of India. And I think it attracts people so much because it's something new, something not like the traditional dances or something we know, but it's such a weird thing. And for me as a Dutch person, I know the lyrics. For me, it's like, okay, this is... Uh, sometimes I'm like, okay, this is a bit awkward because you know the lyrics so well. You know you were dancing on this when you were 16 years old. Um, but I can imagine that for someone who doesn't understand any of it, it's uh yeah it can be a completely new experience and the hype and dancing with a chair on your head like why but okay it sounds cool <laughs> so everybody is just uh dragged along and and yeah participating so the song already has um over uh, 10 years um do you have any new heads in in belgium and um in the netherlands that have uh, the potential to become EGS songs? Do you have anything that's kind of same, kind of weird like this one or, and has the potential? Yes, as you mentioned before, uh, there is a song uh, from Snolle Bollekes, Links Rechts, which is also, it's, it's a different artist, but uh, the same kind of uh, music with naar links, naar rechts, and there are videos of this everybody full crowds uh, arenas football stadiums full of people moving to the left and to the right fifty thousand people and i think it's such a simple song and you're just going left going right while holding your friends on your left and right on the shoulders and in between when they're not singing this part you are just partying you're just throwing your hands up and you're just partying running around doing crazy and i think this is a perfect simple song for Egea. So, uh, when it comes to the songs Katja, Makia and Foto, uh, do you have any memories related to the song? Like, Yeah, I always remember the, the competition, competition at some point. At some Usually it's uh, the, the second or the third time the song gets played. And the party is, was, was already very on fire and you want to like put on a little bit of gasoline before the end. And then you feel this competition coming up and then you start to like you're still, you you start lifting the chairs but then at some point you're like hey let's let's maybe let's maybe lift the table yeah let's like let's lift the table and then you see this this little bit of competition uh in everybody's eyes looking for objects uh what they can lift and what's heavier to lift and i remember at some point we we lifted a whole couch there was a, a three person couch uh with three persons also actually on it and we lifted this and carried it uh, all around uh, the set place uh, where we were dancing yeah no i think the song reminds me of the early years when i was active in Egea. Um because you know the meaning you know how nice it is when you're dancing on this song and there is uh, a nice person around. And then you're like, okay, let's try to make some eye contact. Or you're not really asking for the for their numbers, obviously, on an EGI event in such circumstances. But maybe it's a bit flirting what you try to do. But yeah, the other person has no clue about any of the lyrics. <laughs> so I guess it's always a bit of a one direction. 
but nevertheless, everybody loves the song, so it does. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you dance on this. Um, people love it, and the crazier, the better, I guess. Yeah, I I, I do remember. Uh, that's a very. This is a very personal uh, memory I'm sharing, but uh, this is what EGI is also for, I guess. And it was this moment. Uh, I think it was the one of the first times I heard the song, and uh, this beautiful. Blonde lady from uh, Igea East uh, region came to me, and she asked to me the question, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And she said, "Shall we share a chair?" And hence we lifted the two of us this chair. And this is uh, yeah. Up until today, I still have a little tear that uh, drops away when I think about this beautiful moment. <laughs> what happened after? <laughs> yeah, it was the famous evening of the whiskey or turning, so maybe we should not say this on the official recording section. Because you just had a really nice theory about uh, <laughs> lifting it higher, <laughs> reaching the next level. <laughs> yeah, it was it was in my young and naive years, Rick. It was, uh, you might not know, but I used to be a very um, timid and um, well-behaved uh, young guy but i'm pretty sure next time we will meet over a beer i will uh, tell you all the details about it hey um how about the um experiences on this song from the presenters uh, for me um the first time i heard the song i was really confused because there's this german version of the song schatzi schenkt mein photo which came a year or two after the version and adapted this one into our german party culture and so I was really confused as to why are they speaking this weird German I don't understand, <laughs> which turned out to be Dutch, I learned later. Um, yeah, so I don't have a specific memory around that song, particularly as vivid and as lovely as the one Matthias just shared with us. Um, but in general, it's always nice to dance around I mean, you have to watch out because there's stuff that breaks, like lamps and stuff. So always be a bit careful, especially as I'm over two meters tall. And if there is a low ceiling in the party room, it's always extra hard for me to enjoy <laughs> this song fully. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember hitting a chair in the ceiling and actually making a hole in the ceiling once. Got that it's, it's always this... Uh, you have to be kind of in the mood uh, to dance along to this, and this mood is usually created due to alcohol. But then again, you have to be sober enough to not break anything. So this song, for me, it's awesome. I love it, especially um, when I'm familiar with the song, but there's lots of newbies that don't know the song yet uh, to see this moment of realization that this is actually happening right now on their faces um yeah but you always have to find this sweet spot of being drunk enough to fully go for it but also being sober enough to not overdoing it so it's a special song and i really love it and so far i've managed to not destroy anything really valuable during the song, so... Um, Stan, how about you? Do you have any memories related to the song? 
Yeah, like this episode is really personal for me because this is one of my favorite EGA songs, to be honest. Like, I didn't know this song before EGA, um, as I know a lot of, of, of other EGA hits and songs. Uh, so the first memory I have with, with this uh, with the song was was the Congress in in Slovenia, and uh, I just got there and it was late because because uh, of some uh, some circumstances I, I was like it was late late to the Congress and this was one of the first um, songs that I've um, I've heard, and there were like a bunch of crazy people, uh, uh, and they were just dancing with this with those like chairs above their heads, and I was just like. No, you probably remember you like your first congress and you're really kind of like lost or like you might be a bit lost and i got the cultural affair and the people just were dancing to this song and i was just like what the hell and then i joined them like immediately because it was really funny um so that was the first thing i, I remember and that is related to this song i also rem remember when we organized so um my entity so eg awards organized uh, one of the osms and we went to this really tiny bar uh, that is right by uh, our university, and I remember like um, us dancing there. And they were about to close at at, at midnight, I, I assume, and we were there until two. So <laughs> they actually had like extra hours, like the bartenders over there, and uh, we were playing um, some EGS songs. I think Rick, you were there. Yes, I you, remember. You were kind of a DJ, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember like there were. <laughs> it was a really funny night. Uh, and I remember some like girls, and they would like they had like this really heavy wooden uh, benches over there, and there was some some chairs too. And then like I probably if you think like of a bench, like probably you would think of like you know strong guys that have this up above their heads, and they were like really small girls, like small girls, Aegeans. Uh, and then <laughs> they had like this really huge band, uh, like bench above their head, and they were dancing, and it was it was really crazy. Um, so. Uh, that's it when it comes to me and to, to this song. Like I have a lot of memories related to this uh, to the song, and I also share the, the the like the song and uh and this culture with with my friends that are not in Nigeria. So it's not to like to my Polish friends. This this has kind of like a, how it spread not only within Nigeria <laughs> but as well like it got to Poland um, for some reasons, and, and I, I guess like really good messengers were like Polish Nigerians. Um, so that's for me. And especially from because you're telling such a personal uh, part from your experience, um, what we just told you about the song is it affecting you, or will this change the way you see the song? Well, that, that's that's for sure. Like, because um, of course I, I I speak a little bit of German, and so I can understand a few words from from this. And um, but I didn't know like the the lyrics and the meaning. And still, one thing is just you can, of course, easily uh, copy paste it and translate it in you know um, Google Translator. But you don't get the whole you know background. You don't get the personal stories from Aegeans and from from the natives. And um, I think that what was uh, the main reasons we decided to to choose this song and uh, kind of start this um, this series with with Aegean songs with natives. To get as well not only the lyrics and the, but like the whole thing like the, it's a bit wider so um thank you for being very good moderator Rick. <laughs> <laughs> but the next time you hear this song on an egea event will it be different now that you know this background now that you spoke with us yeah for sure like hope like henrik will be right by and then we just like you know smile to each other <laughs> 
for you, Hendrik? I've listened to this song in Egea like a million times. I've listened to the German version on German parties, German carnival, etc. also a lot. And even my favorite football club adapted the song when they won the German championship and uh, changed it to like, uh, give me the title trophy instead of a photo, um, which was really funny back then. Um, so yeah, I think the meaning in German is similar to the song, um, but it's not quite hitting it this on this deep level as the Dutch original version does. So now after getting to know this Dutch version more and properly understanding what it's about and also putting some work into this episode and researching, um, of course, this song has a new level of personal um, relation to myself since I've listened to it like a million times in preparation for this episode and editing. So of course um, it changed, um, but I think it only helps me to even more enjoy the song. And as Stashek said, once we are at a party and the song comes up, we will just look at each other and know, okay, yeah, we know what it's all about now. We've been there, we've researched it, we've invited our guests, did the research, now we're probably ready for this dance. I totally agree with you. I can't wait to dance on this song now and see you guys in real life. That would be amazing. Yeah, I <laughs> must admit that I was kind of uh, annoyed by hearing it over and over and over and over again. But after this episode, I think I'm ready to hear it again now. The really good thing, I mean, if it's going to happen, the next Congress will happen in the Netherlands. So, I mean... Not true. I guess it's a bit, it's, it's destiny. For, for me, it's, it's destiny. Guys, is there anything else you want to add about the band, the cultural background? Uh, just before, you were mentioning um, dancing this song with uh, new people, newbies. And this brought up my mind that you can distinguish the experts at this song uh, and the newbies. Because in the second part of this song, um you have the 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 yeah the main chapter which is repeating itself and when you have to put the chairs up but at one point instead of singing schatje mag ik je foto they are not singing it but it's just the music and in Igia, what we do we're not putting the chairs up but we stay seated and we go with our head uh, hands above our head left and right while we are sitting on a chair and this part in particular um the newbies they hear the music and they're like oh let's sing along again and put the chairs up but the experts are like no 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 <laughs> we know we have to sit down now and uh, that's uh, for me one of the funniest uh, things and always nice to help people around like no no don't put them up but sit down sit down and then after they did they're like oh we didn't know but thanks so i really <laughs> like this part <laughs> yeah true it's like a multi-level initiation in the song you don't get it always the first time sit needs hard work and dedication to be able to dance the dance perfectly. Yeah. So is there, so there is this proper way of dancing to this song. Would you be open to adjustments, adaptions in the dancing style, or do you think it should still be the same, like this la 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 part where you keep sitting? 
wouldn't you be open for changes to maybe just also go again over the head to have different dance styles or is there this one correct style of dancing and people should learn the proper way in your mind? Uh, I don't want to say it this strict. Uh, and in my opinion, the way it is now, I think it's good. There's always a smaller group of people who are like putting the chairs up, but then they see from the more oldies. And I think it's a learning process um, throughout EGS. So it's a learning process. And you know, at this part of the song, you have to stay seated. And I think it's also a nice thing because when you're dancing for half of the song with the chair above your head, you see people getting tired. And it's just a nice thing to have a moment to relax and to sit in the middle of the dance floor with your hands and just looking at each other. It's a more chill moment in the song. Yeah, I think it's also nice sometimes maybe to see some local variations. One, uh, for example, uh, there's the, the, the moment where you clap in your hands and uh, then there is the variation where you don't clap in your own hands, but clap in the hands of uh, of people next to you. Like these kind of local variations are highly recommended. Uh, I'd say also they uh, give you a feeling of uh, owning the the song a bit more. I think uh, as long as the great lines stay the same, because I agree with the learning process of Rick, it's very recommendable to uh, be creative and uh, just go with the flow and uh, think of local variations. Thank you for this interview it was really interesting i did learn a lot of new stuff and i hope you as our listeners also learned something new and we will now have a short break hello again welcome back to part two of this episode about schatje making your photo by the gebrüder school and now in the second part we want to focus a bit more on the lyrics itself and what they mean so we will do it in a different style of the first part, than the, different than the interview. Um, first, we will listen to the parts of the song, and then we will have our guests explain what those parts are all about, and also read it out slowly so that you, as our listeners, can slowly repeat and practice your pronunciation. So let's start with the first part. Um, for that, I ask Rick to help me, and first we will listen to it, and then Rick will give us a short summary of what it's all about. So, let's play the tune. <laughs> This is the first part of the song, more or less the introduction of where it's heading. Uh, so he is telling that uh, his, eye, uh, his eye fell upon this uh, person and he got a, an amazing feeling which he couldn't compare with uh, anyone. And he is like, how can I reach you? Uh, are you still available? And do you also see something in me? 
And then it's the question like, hey, are you still available? Do you have a picture, a name, and your phone number for me? And if I go through the sentences slowly, it is mijn oog dat viel op jou. Oh nee, wat is dit nou? Zo'n fijn gevoel met niets te vergelijken. Ik weet niet wie je bent. En of je mij wel kent. Toen zeg me nou, hoe kan ik jou bereiken? Ben je nog vrij? En zie je iets in mij? Ik vraag je, ben je nog vrij? Heb je een foto, een naam en een nummer voor mij? Nou, and then it goes, it continues. And yes, yes. And in English, this um, in English it's like my eye fell upon you. Oh no, what is this this feeling? Such a nice feeling. It can't be compared with anything else. I don't know who you are. Uh, and if you don't know me, uh, please tell me how can I reach out to you? Are you still free? And do you see something in me? Are you still free? Do you have a picture, a name, and a phone number for me? This is how it goes in uh, in Dutch, but also in English. And it's a nice text of uh, trying to hook up with someone, getting a phone number, getting a picture, like. Uh, yeah, you maybe did 13 years ago. Is there special phrasing, any words that stick out that are unusual or in any kind special in this part? Or is it just in a normal language you would also hear on the streets? I think it's a bit more formal, like, um, how do you say? It's, it is written like you expect a song to be written, a bit in a nicer, cozier way than you would usually say in real life. Um, you don't really say that your eye fell upon someone, like in this, this way, you don't really say it in this way particular, but it's clearly understandable. And in general, I think everybody who listens to this song and who understands Dutch will understand what he is saying. And that is something that makes it such a catchy song. Okay, thank you very much. So um, right now we're moving to the most important part of the song, uh, to chorus. This part is regularly followed by Eugene's uh, at night and they try to follow, follow the lyrics. But I think it's still uh, really nice to, um, to learn something about uh, this part. Uh, we're uh, followed by Cox uh, this time. Can you tell us what this part is all about? 
Okay, so here we are uh, really at the climax of the song. And everything he has been announcing now is actually, it's happening. Actually, I think it's happening inside of his head. And now finally, in the chorus, in the, the refrain, he's addressing uh, the person in front of him. And he's uh, shouting, Darling, can I have your picture? Do you have a picture for me? Darling, can I have your picture? And also put your number dabei. <laughs> Darling, can I have your picture? Do you have a picture for me? Darling, can I have your picture? Come on, do crazy and make me happy. So you actually almost convinced me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, let's let's uh, let's be serious. Uh, can you uh, please read it out loud for for our guests and listeners, so that um, so that uh, they can later on follow uh, while they will be dancing and partying to the song uh, next time. Okay. Of course. So um, the main words here are always at the end of the sentence because that's then you can make, uh, like Christophe said, uh, you can make the rhymes. Um, so um, it goes as follows. Difficult word first, schatje. And so for the G, you really have to put it in the back of your throat. Schatje. Mag ik je foto? Heb je een foto voor mij? Schatje, mag ik je foto? En doe er ook je nummer bij. Schatje, mag ik je foto? Heb je een foto? Voor mij? Schatje, mag ik je foto? Kom, doe eens gek en maak me blij. That's all I got. <laughs> it sounds really, sound really poetic to me. Um, I'm, I'm... Even if I don't understand it, that that way I still got emotional. But is there anything about the lyrics? Uh, are there any words that you think our listeners would like to um, get to know a bit better? Mm, well, I think the the most important. There are two important words uh, actually here, and they're all the way in the end. That is the word "hek," uh, which means crazy. It's maybe also one of the more difficult words, but uh, it's definitely one to uh, to keep in mind. Gek. And then the very last word is bleh. And bleh is a very... It's, a, it's like between happy and joyful. So it's a very, it's a very, it's a very nice feeling. It's, it's, uh, it's not really happiness, because that's more geluk. It's also not really joy, because that's more like plaisir, pleasure. But bleh is like this very nice in-between region where you're kind of in a very carefree, uh, happy state and really enjoying uh, life. And since this is an episode about music, I like to make a bridge here 
to a composer who's celebrating um, uh, a birthday uh, this year. It's Ludwig von Beethoven uh, with the famous uh, one hander uh, Ode to Joy. Uh, and this is uh, actually this, I think what the British Co wanted to do here is make a little wink and stress this uh, European feeling uh, of happiness, of un unity, and uh, put this word bleh in the end. Voila, so for me, this is really why this uh, part of the song is the, the climax. <laughs> and if you don't believe this, I tell you some other bullshit. <laughs> You have to just convince our listeners. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm really just uh, talking uh, from the top of my tongue. Uh, I, this was not prepared. <laughs> I hope you can do something. No, no. Well, it's, 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 I liked it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> if you're just, as I've told you, I, I was almost convinced. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is true, huh? 2020 <laughs> is the Beethoven year, huh? It is, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. There are big, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dit is de eerste keer, ik weet er echt niet meer. Hij zo'n gevoel aan ik nog nooit tevoren. Oh nee, wat moet ik nou met mijn gevoel voor jou? Wat jij van mij vindt, wil ik van je horen. Ben je nou vrij? En zie je iets in mij? Ik vraag je, ben je nou vrij? Heb je een foto, een naam en een nummer voor mij? So after just listening to the second part of the song, Christoph, could you please tell us what is it all about? What is happening there? And after that, could you please read it out slowly that our listeners can repeat it and practice their pronunciation on it? Okay, so um, actually he is telling how special this moment is. So not what he actually did, but for him what is special about it. So. It's like the first time he never felt it. The feeling, yeah, it's unbelievable. And then it are again some things that have been already in the song before. So I'm now gonna read it and translate it a bit. So uh, the first um, verse is "Dit is de eerste keer." So this means it's like the first time. Ik weet het echt niet meer. Yeah, he really doesn't know um, what to do um, like that. Deze gevoel had ik nog nooit tevoren. Such a feeling I never had before. Oh nee, wat moet ik nou? Oh no, what do I have to do? Met mijn gevoel voor jou. sentence with the last one what do i have to do with that feeling for you wat jij van mij vindt wil ik van je horen what you think of me i want to hear of you so he wants to know if the girl likes him or he she is not interested ben je nog vrij en zie je iets in mij are you still free and do you see something in me? Do you see a future with me? Vraag je? 
you know, free. So I ask you, are you still free? Heb je een foto, een naam en een nummer voor mij? Do you have a photo, a name and a number for me? So, um, yeah. He actually, again, asks for um, a photo and a name and uh, if she wants to be together with him. I think that's a short um, translation of the part. I don't know. Um, do you want to know something else? Are there any special words that are not so typical in the everyday language? Are there certain words that are you think are really important in this part? Maybe a cool or interesting word you want people to know about? Mm, thinking a bit. Like, no, nooit tevoren. It's really... Uh, it's been said already, but it's a word that we would never use when we are a bit drunk or on a party because it's a bit uh, prosaic. It's more from from books and not in the normal uh, everyday uh, language. Okay, so do you have an idea why the artist choose to put it, uh, to phrase it like this and not use a more everyday-ish version of it? Yes, I think that it's um, it was the plan that it rhymes with horen, uh, tevoren eh? and uh, yeah, the word horen is of course very normal and they were simply searching for a word that rhymes with it. Okay. The same like with keer, meer, nou, jou, vrij, mij. It's actually really good rhymes. Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense to phrase it like this then. Is there anything else you want to say about this part? I really like this part. Um, it's it's very fluid because you have a lot of songs where the lyrics is sometimes, hmm, it's simply filled or because it has to rhyme, but here it's uh, very natural. Okay, so first of all, again, a big thank you to all of our beautiful lovely guests for helping us out tonight to help us better understand what this masterpiece of a song is all about to really go deep down the dutch but also the flemish culture of party king's day of music and dancing but right before we end I want to ask all of our guests one final question it's a question you, as our listeners will notice in later episodes, we will ask every of our lovely, beautiful guests. And first, we start with Rick. Rick, what book do you currently read? A very shitty one. I don't like it. <laughs> it's called Weerwater. Um, I have no clue how to translate this to English. Weer, um, return water, if you translate it literally but it doesn't make any sense. It's a book about one of the youngest cities of uh, the Netherlands, uh, Almere. It's right in the middle of a newly built polder that was founded or created 100 years ago. And the city is about 50 years old. It's the youngest city. And I think for most of the Dutch people, it has no vibe, no atmosphere. It's newly built. Um, but the people who live there, they do think it's a nice city. They are making something and that they have a 
kind of a work ethics and a discipline to create something from nothing. Um, this is how you think of all of the Netherlands. We think more of this region in particular. And the author of this book is writing about this city that it becomes isolated in some sort of way. There's a huge cloud from one day to another. There's a huge cloud around the city and people are isolated inside the city. And if you try to go out, you die in some way. Uh, so yeah, I got really um, fed up by the book, but I'm persisting to uh, read it, to continue it, to finish it. But uh, it's not uh, the best book I had. Um, so the book I'm currently reading is a book by uh, a French writer, Alexandre Jardin. Uh, Alexander Garden, if you would translate it. Uh, and it's called um, Ma Maman Avait Raison. My mother was right. And so I found this book. I was walking through the bookshop uh, the day before the birthday of my mother, actually. Uh, and I was in the bookshop and I saw this book and I was like, aha, of course, huh? this is very symbolic because, of course, in the end, mothers, however you turn the tables or if you lift them in the air, mothers are always right. And uh, I doubted for a second, actually. And so in the end, I didn't give it as a present. And so I'm first reading it myself to see what uh, what Alexandre Jardin is writing in there. And uh, then I will decide if I will give it over or not. But for everyone who is interested in uh, the life of an artist uh, and his mother in the 70s in France, um, it's uh, I can recommend it. It's, uh, he has a very nice way of, uh, of writing. Mm. Actually, I started with the history of astronomy a week ago. It, are like, it is like the chronology of all the things that have been found in astronomy, like first the planets and afterwards um, more little things like meteors and black holes. And it's very interesting because I think our future oh. is in space or far future. Near future is, of course, in sustainability here on Earth. But um, I think it's interesting. Really cool. Are there any final words you want to tell our audience? I really want to thank you that um, I was welcome in this uh, podcast. And in my opinion, it's a really nice um, way to keep in touch with everybody from Egea uh, and others um, in those Corona times. And it's also very interesting. So I want to thank uh, you for organizing this. Final words from my side as well. I would like to thank you for inviting me and the others. I think it was a really nice way of interacting and I'm looking forward to hear more Aegeans in the future. So thanks a lot. And uh, my final words are uh, a big thank you to you guys for organizing uh, the podcasts. I heard a lot about podcasting before and how this is like the new hipster, young urban lifestyle kind of thing to do. Uh, now that um, tectonic music is not uh, hip anymore. And so in the beginning, I was like, ah, no, when everybody's doing, I'm not going to do it. But via a friend, I uh, got in touch with the podcast medium. And actually, I find it really meditative and relaxing to hear to somebody's voice telling a story. And I'm really happy you guys are introducing this into Aegea and maybe convincing uh, uh, people also to, to start listening to podcasts more in the future. Uh, 
and also happy to share stories somewhere soon, somewhere in Europe. Who knows? Thanks for this very nostalgic trip to the dance floor of Aegea. Those philosophical words from Cox conclude the end of our very first episode of Aegea podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any feedback, feel free to send it to podcast at We hope to hear you somewhere in Europe.